0: Welcome to the Driving for Better Business podcast, celebrating women working in transport, fleet management, and road safety. Now, some areas of fleet management are highly regulated, but that doesn't always mean that these fleets are managed well. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Sarah Bell, Traffic Commissioner for London and the Southeast. Sarah, welcome to the Driving for Better Business podcast. You've had over 20 years of working with the transport industry, and now as the traffic commissioner. How did your career develop?
1: Oh, well, first of all, Anne-Marie, thank you for inviting me, uh, following Joe Shiner, uh, uh, difficult uh, footsteps to follow, but I'll do my best. Um, my career I developed is probably a, a, a too sophisticated a word for it. it. it sort of flowed really. so I qualified as a solicitor in 1993 uh, with a regional practice down on the south coast, stayed with them till uh, 1995 but then I wanted to get into commercial litigation and there's no post there so I, I went elsewhere uh, and bizarrely ended up doing maritime litigation as well as commercial litigation. Uh, So, for example, marine accident accident investigations, uh, helping their clients uh, weave their way through the interviews, et cetera, and then also defending uh, health and safety executive prosecutions for uh, their clients. And so it was regulatory as well as litigation, which was not something that I'd originally sort of signed up to. Uh, But then the opportunity came for me to take that back to the firm where I'd originally trained which was lovely because I hadn't actually particularly wanted to leave in the first place. It was just that there wasn't the role that I wanted. Um, And so we developed uh, a wider regulatory practice uh, and they already uh, were RHA panel solicitors. uh, And so I started doing that work with them. Uh, which uh, so uh, representing operators, transport managers and drivers before my predecessors as traffic commissioners and also in the criminal courts. But at the same time, I moved from defending HSE prosecutions, which I'd done at my previous firm, to actually prosecuting as a solicitor agent for uh, the health and safety executive. So I I have, as they say, played on both sides of the fence. I'm a prosecutor and a a defence solicitor by Uh, expertise but then in 2006 I was approached by the recruitment consultants that were in charge of recruiting the new traffic commissioner for the west of England and they said why haven't you applied and I said oh I didn't know that Philip was retiring Um, which was a big faux pas because he wasn't retiring at all he was just moving to London in the southeast Uh, and so that's how I ended up being a traffic commissioner.
0: Fantastic so your experience actually as you say on both sides of that um, fence has been quite broad Um, and you mentioned you you joined um, the west of England as traffic commissioner and now you're the southeast um, of England traffic commissioner. What are the responsibilities of the traffic commissioner? Um, They are wide and varied
1: um first of all we we don't sort out anyone's parking tickets uh unfortunately which is what most people think if they if they don't know uh, about regulation of commercial vehicles but what we actually do is we regulate the bus coach and haulage industry and their vocational drivers and there's eight traffic commissioners regionally there's one traffic commissioner for scotland claire gilmore one traffic commissioner for wales and that's victoria davies and then the other regions, and we look at really commercial vehicle businesses and their drivers, and it is from cradle to grave. So if you want to operate one man scaffold business or one lady scaffold business or you want to be the next eddie stobart you need an operator's license and that license tells you uh where you can operate from how many vehicles you can operate how many trailers you can operate and you have to tell us what your safety regime is going to be similarly with vocational drivers whether it's uh lorries or whether it's uh, buses and coaches from your very first prov- provision or right through to retirement, whether you are able to hold that entitlement and whether if you have it, you keep it, uh, depends on uh, your driving and your approach to safety. And we regulate all that as well.
0: Excellent. So your role is not to go searching for the wrongdoing, but to arbitrate on allegations when they're reported. How are most inquiries reported? What are the specific tri- triggers?
1: So the undertakings on the operator's license are all focused around the roadworthiness of the vehicles and uh, the drivers being safe, because, as we know, a lorry in the wrong hands is a lethal weapon. Um, And there are a lot of systems that we expect them to have in place so obviously the lorries and and buses and uh, but not buses the lorries and coaches have their tachographs in that's not enough we expect there to be regular downloading within uh the maximum time scales under the legislation but not only downloaded we expect it to be analyzed have there been drivers hours infringements has there been driving off card i.e. fraud all that they have to have the systems in place. Likewise, the undertakings in relation to maintenance, they have to tell us how frequently they're going to have their vehicles inspected, how frequently they're going to have their trailers inspected, who is going to be doing those inspections, etc. And so the inquiries flow from the success or failures of those systems and most of the reports we receive are from DVSA Drive and Vehicle Standards Agency uh, I sort of refer to them as the Department for Transport's uh, commercial vehicle enforcement officers and, and also but less so the police uh, with the police it depends more on the traffic area some have more commercial vehicle police units than others obviously I'm incredibly lucky in uh, London and the southeast because I have met and the city of London uh, and I see a huge number of referrals from them. We also get referrals from the health and safety executive and the environment agency because our regime is safety focused and it's not just about how do you run your transport it's what's your approach to safety. So if there's been a health and safety Um, not even a prosecution even if it's an enforcement notice and it's not being complied with or if there's an environment agency prosecution then we are told about those and the operator can be called in and the transport manager to consider their good repute that fine word
0: Mm. excellent thank you that's really insightful and I've, I've learned some things that I didn't know there So what are the common failures um, at operator level that you see regularly? And is this through ignorance, inexperience or lack of care? Um, what, What do you see on a regular basis?
1: Well, I've been doing this since 2007 and unfortunately... I keep seeing the same stories, just different different people. Mm-hmm. Um, ignorance, ignorance is interesting because when you sign up for a license, um, the, the form, albeit it's online now, is about eighteen pages. So it's not like you know, get you used to do go and get your old tax disc. You are making a whole heap of promises that you know what you're doing uh, and that you already will have the systems in place from day one. And there's a, an appeal court case called MGM Halogen Recycling 2012030. Not that I obviously use it very much, and that says that operators, transport managers, applicants are deemed to know all the advice and guidance in the public domain, and it's vast. So there's all the senior traffic commissioner statutory documents. There's all the DVSA documents, such as the guide to maintaining road worthiness. Careless talk co- uh, costs lives. All the drivers' hours. So ignorance is probably limited, mm, not yeah. not as limited as it should be, but limited. Inexperience. Our gate, we have a, what we call a gatekeeper role about who we who we let in, who gets a license, and that's not just about um, you know have they got convictions etc cetera, etc. Cetera. It is about the individual, the company, and how are they going to get it right first time. So you can be inexperienced, but you still have to have the systems in place to make sure that the business is experienced and and one of our favorite sayings also is never expect ex- uh, excuse my language never mistake experience for expertise mm-hmm. because sometimes it's the experience that has got in the way because they're still doing it the same way as they've always done um, lack of care when managing health and safety of the vehicles and their drivers. Absolutely, that's the key. That is what we see the most. You know, they, there may be a system in place, but it's not been reviewed. There may be a system in place, but it's uh, fallen to the wayside because there's been a change in personnel. And the worst one of all, where commercial need
0: is put ahead of compliance. And those are the themes really. Mm. Thank you, Sarah. I'd like to talk a little bit about the van sector as well because vans as we know are are not regulated in the same way. Um, There are over 600,000 trucks on our roads, 75,000 buses but this is dwarfed by the van sector um, and that's been increasing um, over the last few years. And I think there's probably more than 4.8 million vans on our roads now. Do you think they should be managed in the same way as trucks? And would regulation of vans be a useful step? That's interesting, isn't it, Anne-Marie? Because they're
1: not unregulated. They just don't have this sort of figurehead uh, stick to beat them with, as some like to say about traffic commissioners. You know, Section 2, Section 3, Section 7 of the Health and Safety yeah. Work Act, the road traffic laws, they all still apply. Um, and I don't think it's really for me to say that they should be or not I'll probably get into trouble uh, if I expressed a, a personal opinion what i would say is there's lots of excellent schemes around including the work that driver for better business does the trade associations etc and those who want to do well and those who want to look after their people and those who want to be safe will seek you out and they will join and they will be engaged And the challenge, I think, for the van sector is the same as we actually have for the haulage uh, bus and coach sector, which is how do you reach those that don't want to be reached? Because there are those that still are under the radar who keep off the strategic road network, who run under the radar, and they're the ones that are the challenge. And you'll have that whether they're regulated more akin to the traffic commissioner operator licensing regime.
0: In any event, does that make sense? Sorry, it makes that no, no, that makes absolute sense, absolute sense. Um, and there is commonality between, regardless of of which vehicle you drive or ride, um, we're all as humans and as, as as the people operating those vehicles affected by the same problems. Fatigue isn't different just because you're not driving a truck. Um, and you don't have a tachograph in your vehicle, for example. Absolutely. Um, There are some standards that absolutely should be applied across the piece. And if you're good at managing your trucks, you should be good at managing your vans and other vehicles because you'd apply the same principles of that high standard.
1: Yeah, thank you. And you've absolutely hit the nail on the head because obviously we regulate a lot of companies that run a mixed fleet. Yes. And we say... You know how how you run your vans should be entirely akin to how you run your lorries. And I have done a public inquiry where they run their van their truck fleet brilliantly. I mean, to the point of exemplar. Mm. But their smaller vehicles, or the, and the company that they subcontracted with, were regularly overloading the smaller vehicles. And I called them into public
0: inquiry. It's all about safety. Yeah, absolutely traffic commission has actually worked really closely with enforcement agencies i think you've mentioned dvsa um, um, and most recently um contributed to the roads policing review how has this collaboration um, improved safety on our roads i have
1: to say you've hit the nail on the head my favorite subject at the moment which is the roads policing review it is a once in a generation opportunity to make real change on our roads Although it's called the roads Policing Review, it has merged into something wider in that it is looking at other enforcement agencies, uh, particularly with commercial vehicles and the role of DVSA. And it's about having joined up enforcement and also joined up education. So... The standards that the police work to would be the same as the standards that DVSA work to. So one would be upskilling the other, because obviously DVSA spent all their time on the very highly technical side of the commercial vehicle regulation, whereas the commercial police, they still have their other role to do as well. Both... Uh, see education as key. Both see enforcement as key. Both see referral to prosecution and traffic commissioners as key. But what we're looking at is joining up those processes so that everything comes through to actually be triaged. And you know, if it's for education, it goes for education. If it's serious, it goes for prosecution or the traffic commissioners. And that will be the same whether you are stopped in Eccles. In Bodmin or London or Birmingham, it will be one rule book, one uniformity of approach, and it will, I hope, raise awareness both roadside and online that there is only one way to run your business or to drive your own car, and that is as an exemplar, because you will be found out. That's that's what I hope. I think it's a real opportunity. You know, we have 44 police forces. And so 44 different ways that I might receive information. A lot of them don't even know what who a traffic commissioner is. You know, I don't want um, vehicles being stopped and it being dealt with at the roadside with the driver and left at that, because very often it is not the driver that is the problem. And there was a a stat a few years ago, and and it came through a Highways England collaboration piece. You know, the police had done 30,000 stops and issued 31,000 prohibitions, and I said that's brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. That's what we want. I said, but what happened next? was there follow-up with the operator in the appropriate case etc etc this whole world's policing review is looking at that and it's and everybody's involved
0: and and i just love it it's really exciting that's really useful to know because i think as as a program driving better business would love to follow up on that work and actually do a big communication piece around that so people are aware and they do know Um, at the end of the day we don't want people to fail we want We want operators to be good and to be understanding what they need to do um, and to be able to take action to remedy um, stuff that goes wrong for them. Um, So my final question, actually, Sarah, is is a very simple one. What does a good operator look like for you?
1: Uh, If I could bottle that up, I'd be a (laughs) millionaire. It's not about the nuts and bolts. Forgive the pun, I think. From what I have seen before I was a traffic commissioner advising companies and, and their staff, really it is trite, but the culture of the organisation comes from its leadership. You know, If you bring rigour and openness to all your systems, you don't design systems around the bare minimum and you don't mistake experience for expertise and you invest in your people and your safety regimes, that is what good Looks like. And, and I say it time and again when I see operators in public inquiry in front of me, I say compliance pays dividends, literally. You know, if you're having your vehicles regularly inspected, they break down less. If you invest in your people and you check on them, not just, you know, nine to five, but you look at how do they present at work before they even start. You know, do they look well? Do they look concerned? Do they look tired? You should have systems all around that. If you look after your people, you look after your wagons, it will
0: pay. Sarah, that's brilliant. A lovely way to end this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I've I've really enjoyed it. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Sarah. And if you'd like more information um, on Sarah's interview, And the links that we mentioned um, in the course of our conversation, visit drivingforbetterbusiness.com.
1: Brought to you by Driving for Better Business.